Hi, this is Sean Crystal, artist of Arkham Manor, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> That's the keeper. That's it for that one? That's it. <laughs> Not the beginning. Oh, I'm sorry. You just I'm cursed sorry, it. You ruined it. Well, that's it. Shortest episode ever. Yep. See you next week, people. <laughs> that one, that's perfect. That's great. We should put out a, like a four-second episode, see what they say. Something wrong with the feed. <laughs> but the problem is the... Best the, audio ever, though. Yeah. It's scintillating. But the, the lead in and the lead out are longer than four seconds. So I would guess... The minimum amount of time we could have for an episode, realistically, is like maybe 15, 20 seconds. Just, just, just pump that echo up for like another three minutes. <laughs> this is the woohoo episode. <laughs> you guys suck. It's like we're back with doing bullpen bullets. I was just going to say, that yet. would be perfect for bullpen bullets. Oh, yeah. I'd have space sounds. Uh, yeah, Carl Sagan would come in. Keyboard. Yep. Helicopters. <laughs> Helicopters. <laughs> I'd be looking at the ceiling while I'm doing it. Oh, you got to get into it. Yeah. Oh, and we hope you're into it as well because this, my friends, is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 749. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. We are not in space. I am David A. Price. Well, we are floating in space. It's going on. true. Yeah. Indeed, you are. M. One of the Godspeeds. I'm lost. What was that again? Godspeed. Okay. You're not. Clearly you're not up, clearly you're not up on your Flash television show. Oh, no. No. You're not from the Flash television show, Godspeed, <laughs> or whatever. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Here together for this episode, sponsored by... Short and sweet, our butamous patrons. Yep, this is a patron-sponsored episode. Those lovely, wonderful, beautiful people are there for us. Month in, month out, they buoy the entire 11 o'clock experience for everyone. There are a number of different tiers that you'll see if you go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and uh, jump into the fray. It, there's a lot of fun, a lot of stuff going on, videos, audios, pictures, Slack, channels, everything. So uh, just go check it out if you would be so kind. If you like what you see, we would love to have you. We had an influx of people uh, recently. Uh, the more, the merrier. There's a comment between that. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Go check it out. You heard? You're getting two this week because of the patrons. Mm, isn't isn't that awesome? Yeah. How do you do? They're wonderful. Very true. Yeah. I have um, a lot of short and sweet things to talk oh, quick about. Quick hitters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all great, and I can go on at length, but the volume of stuff that I read between last time and now was, a, you know, a lot. I read a lot of comics, and I don't think, you know, a half hour on each would be feasible so uh but uh, speaking of short and sweet i'm drinking cherry limeade from sonic no from walmart ah yeah I said short and sweet i thought it was like a quarter water or something no it's a freaking i don't know how many ounces it is it's 33.8 ounces it's a quart yeah 
There we well, go. Yeah. Uh, I'm drinking water. At least mine has some sugar in it. See, Chan- <laughs> chances like, why it. are you just drinking water? I got. Uh, it. yeah, just drinking water, man. That's it. Um, I had wine with dinner, so I am. Uh, how many ounces is this, Vince? This is uh, yes, this is thirty-three point eight fluid ounces as well. It's just a a big ass reused bottle of uh, Poland Spring, which now contains Peekskill Tap. Nice and cold. Nice. That's awesome. Look at that. Two waters. Well, Two waters. Just a fancy pants over here. No, nah, he just didn't want to make you feel bad. Oh, but, hey, uh, oh yeah, right. That's like, okay. We've done 750 story. episodes, and, and Dap has drank water like three times. I don't think it's true. he's doing it just for, per, just for uh, pomp and circumstance. I'm telling you, for next episode, because uh, I don't want to spill the beans... But it may be a sort of kind of special episode. I'm gonna get some makers mm. makers mark for next episode. Wow, you're drinking the brown stuff? Look at you. I like makers mark. Yeah. I had no idea. I, I've had it before. I like um, Maker's Mark forty six. I mean Maker's I Mark. Was pl- I was planning on having some wine given that it's gonna be a very special episode, but I can't. Okay. That's great. I was going to buy you a big present, but you know what? I didn't. Not going to lie, you had no it. because it's Thursday, and I got. I'm doing that thing on Saturday, so I, I, I can't. Uh, yeah. I can't have the alcohol on sound this Thursday. Oh well, I'll drink enough for both of us. Uh, aesthetically, I like the wax drip. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I got you. Yeah, but it tastes good too. Uh, there is something we all read, and I think we should start off with. Oh, it. did we? Yeah. Oh, indeed. We certainly did. And that is uh, Skybound 10, number one. The uh, not quite 11th anniversary, but because of the pandemic, they're they're celebrating the, you know, the 10th anniversary with a a five-week event focusing on uh, existing Skybound properties in um, new and novel ways and forthcoming Skybound properties and uh everybody knows that i'm a a very very hard sell when it comes to mr kirkman but as uh i think was in the bonus content for uh one of our episodes jason and i were talking about the rick grimes 2000 uh chapter and i i thought it was great uh appropriately silly it answers that uh that uh dictum that comics should be ridiculous and it, it is ridiculous Right. It is. It is. No. It is. I. Um, yeah. I. I finally got my hands on it and um, and read it after uh, well, well, last last weekend. And um, yeah, the 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 premiere, the 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 intro story in the first issue, uh, which is which I believe is the it's serialized across all five issues. It's yeah. The, I think it's the only constant. Right. And um, and and it's. No, it's it's amusing. It's funny. Um, it's sadistic. I, I, I got some chuckles out of it. Yeah, it's it appropriately like, sadistic for Kirkman. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting because um, so the, there were four stories, and and one of them was a manifest destiny story, and I I have been reading that since it came out, but I read it in trades, and so I'm behind on it. And because of the way I read it, I mean, I'll go like a year without even thinking about the book, and then I'll sit down and I'll read it. Right. Um, 
And it was interesting just because, in, in and this is a book that I violated my normal uh, ignoring of the of the back matter or the or the commentary, just because I figured the whole point of this book is to celebrate the imprint. So see what they had to say, and and they have, they spoke about uh, about Manifest Destiny being the uh, like the ultimate Skybound book, and I found it interesting because I gotta th- I gotta say until I saw them. Saw the the story in this book and and heard them talking about it that way. I've never once in my life thought of Manifest Destiny as a Skybound book. Same. I've just thought of it as an image book. Yeah. And um, it's an it's an incredible book and and I, I I don't think it's ever been a massive seller, but it's clearly done well enough that that they continue to make it, which is great. It's definitely unlike a lot of anything else that's come out. It it definitely plays to the people who love history and. Uh, and and a sense of adventure. It's it's a great book. So it was, I was really, ha- I guess, long winded way of saying I was I was pleasantly surprised to see uh, Manifest Destiny given the love in this first issue alongside uh, IP that that I think was a little more predictable. Like we like we we shouldn't be surprised that Walking Dead was in there right twice, frankly, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the thing about the Manifest Destiny chapter is it doesn't have Lewis or Clark no, or, or no. Sacagawea in it. It's it's right. it's totally off the cuff and left field, which I thought was great. I, for my money, I think it's the best looking. No, I shouldn't say that because Ultra Mega with Heron. <laughs> I think I think it's the yeah. second best looking chapter in the book. I thought it was wonderful. Um, I, I like you. I'm not current on Manifest Destiny. So, uh, but you did, I don't think you really had to be with this chapter. It was no, just a, no, not at all. It was a neat little um, aside from that world, in which um, what's his name, Dahog, uh, has to you know retrieve the the tribal leaders' eggs, and uh, hilarity and violence and bloodshed ensue. <laughs> but Looney Tunes all the way on this. It, it you know. There's, there's the Chuck Jones vibe is strong in this. Oh yeah, chapter. Matthew's yeah. a fantastic illustrator. Um, and I laughed out loud. Chupacabra, Cadabra. Yes, that's yes. so <laughs> stupid. It, I mean, yeah. there, it was it, I. Now, as somebody who, sadly, hasn't, uh, started reading Manifesto, and I know you know I can because obviously the trades are there, so I, I it, it's it's on my to do list. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this short story is indicative of the tone of the series, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 the, the one of the cool things about the the book is that um, in true creator and fashion, even though it doesn't always come out with great cons- well, it, I shouldn't say that it comes out with great consistency when it comes out, but there have been pretty big gaps over the years. Um, in between arcs and what have you, but I love that it's all written by Chris Dangis and it's all drawn by Matthew Roberts. Yeah. So you know. the ongoing isn't as cartoon physics as this story, right? No, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But when when uh, he catapults into the air because of the snuff, that <laughs> it's ridiculous. Number one, but when he comes down and he kills that poor raccoon, like that is that is some <laughs> visceral shit. Like he is yeah. just happy as a clam. Uh, unfortunately, the raccoon is not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> covered in blood, and he's like, "Wee!" <laughs> yeah, it's very kinetic. I had a good time reading this. Same. Yeah, and the language is funny too. Stop yeah. it, stupids! 
<laughs> but uh, but I have yeah, to. Din- s- no, I was gonna say Din- Dingus is is a, a a Hollywood writer by trade. Um, yeah, that's why he he he's. I don't know if he did any comics before Manifest Destiny, but I'm pretty sure that's the only comic he's done in the last ten years. Um, he's a writer for Doom Patrol these days. I know. Ah. Yeah, the I- executive producer. Oh, is he? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Oh, yeah, so he's big uh, time. Oh, Jesus. Has, okay. has written and produced an eclectic mix of television series, including Medium, Ed, Men in Trees, Reaper, and Marvel's Agent Carter. Chris is currently a writer and executive producer for the television adaptation of DC Comics. Oh, damn. Big time? How yeah. about that? Um, just getting back to the Rick Grimes. Um, I didn't think Ryan Otley could uh, draw zombies this well. I, I should, you know, slap me for being a naysayer, but his zombies are excellent. They are. Yeah, we, we've we've talked about this before. When he made his jump to Marvel, um, none of us were particularly enamored with it as it coincided with he went to Spider-Man and it coincided with uh, Nick Spencer and all that. And um, and I, I there was definitely something about his Marvel art that, it didn't resonate with me in the way yeah, that same. Invincible did, and I couldn't figure out why. And then seeing this reminded me why, even though Invincible is a superhero book, it's just incredibly violent and gory. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and that's what was missing because a, you're not going to do that in Spider Man. Sure, I mean you can you can have violence, but you're not going to have guts and ephemera or you know and, and gore and 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 ripped apart limbs. You're just not going to see that in a mainstream book. Um, so <laughs> poor Carl. Carl. <laughs> Oh my goodness, and and I think that's on me and you that uh, Otley seems at home tag team with Kirkman in this hyper violent, visceral image stuff. Where on amazing, the guy's style is still there, but it just wasn't working for me. Um, I can't separate him from the 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 uber violent. Right. Uh, you know, splatter stuff that he's done with Kirkman. Uh, the governor's looking great. Poor Michonne. Uh, but that was nice. See, I usually get on Kirkman for, for killing his darlings. But in this case, I'm looking at this as a satire of his own work. So Absolutely, sure. e- even though he says that it's, you know, we, we can assume from what we've read that it takes place in the same universe as Walking Dead, albeit later on in the timeline this is still the same story it's still the same characters but the insidious plot it answers that question that has gone unanswered for the entirety of walking dead is what caused the zombie plague in the first place uh it it was aliens you know travel channel it was aliens so uh aliens generated this this plague that revived the dead in order to thin out humanity so they can colonize the planet Simple, right? Traditional premise. And um, Laurie's looking great. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a winner. But again, for my money, it's hard to uh, not pick Ultra Mega as my, uh, <laughs> my, my go-to. I mean, Heron is just a... Uh, he's, he's a kaiju. He's a comics kaiju. He's just incredible. Uh, even his... Um, I don't want to call them non-essential, but his his transitory panels are just wonderful. Mm-hmm. The, everything the guy draws is just superb. 
Yeah, everything serves a purpose. There's nothing that, uh, I mean, it, which is silly to say. I mean, you're putting it on a page, it should. But there's, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how how wide a panel may be, how small the characters in that panel may be. Uh, they're there for a reason. And you know, he doesn't he doesn't waste a line. What, and, and even, I mean, some panels are just might just have one object in it, but that object is moving. And I love, and I'm catching, you know, I have... Um, in the last box, the fourth issue of Ultra Mega came in, so I'm, I'm in the middle of um, reading three and four. But I mean, you know, I, I just I love the way he draws motion, and you know, whereas you, you'll have a lot of artists these days, these days may rely on um, on the blur and Photoshop, but uh, you know, James. James can draw the fuck out of a page, man. That that's really yeah. Uh, I gotta respect a dude that does it traditionally. Um, it's, yeah. it's so easy to do it in Photoshop um, right. and yes there is a way to do it uh, where it's almost seamless but um, I'm glad that there are still traditionalists that want to do it with ink and line instead of just clicking out a filter and yeah. it's again yeah. it's not that easy you know you have to be able to manipulate the software to get uh, superior results but if you could do it with just uh, the tools at hand, uh, not the digital tools, the, the traditional tools, uh, I I really have to respect that. Mm-hmm. And that that's just another another bullet in your gun, right? And he's incredibly slow. Um, I mean, it took him well over two years to draw these first four issues. Yeah. Um, but when you're making mid six figures on your art sales you can take all the time you want to well yeah well that's what i said in my previous video i said as of issue four ultra mega is now on hiatus you're not going to get new ultra mega until 2022 and uh it's okay if 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 you are not the speediest uh draftsman in the world um uh, let's just say creator uh, not draftsman um and you can make a living on one book and the sales of your original art and, and devote just your time to that one book, then great. I'll wait for you. I'm not, I'm in no hurry, but, uh, but don't, and don't forget the, the, these aren't 2022 page. Issues no, either. no, no, no. And while we're talking about ultra mega, cause it's on my list, I won't go into three and four cause Dap didn't read them, but oh, okay. yeah, I, I read three and four this week as well. I I was reading again. It happened to me. I read issue one, and then I let two and three stack up. And when I was reading two and three, I'm like, "The fuck is going on? I got to go back and read issue one." So after I read issue one, it made more sense. But at, with issue four, I had it. I was like, "It goes in ways that are so unexpected that um, I get the impression that Heron is doing whatever the hell he wants to do. And that is so refreshing. <laughs> there, there's not a, I have to be at this point. I'm sure there is. I'm sure he has a, a game plan, a roadmap, where he has to get the essential plot points, the story details done by a certain point in the issue. But it feels like he has the luxury, it's his book, to do whatever he wants. If he wants to do a little aside for a couple pages on you know the kaiju queen or whatever or uh the prince he does it if he wants to just have one of the underlings develop you know ex- show some kind of uh uh 
sentience and that you know they have emotions and desires and loyalties and stuff that's awesome do it i don't care if he did an entire issue that had no connection to the 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 big picture i like books that feel organic and uh unpredictable so aside from the gorgeous art and the um giant monster uh themes that run through ultra mega i like the fact that i just can't predict the book i don't know what's coming next um the the fact that he killed off his main character and like the first issue was like oh okay uh uncharted Mm -hmm. waters here we go uh i think it's it, it for my money it's one of the best books out there it's really close to the top i don't know what i would put over it and and i you know i don't have the luxury of thinking about that right now but it's one of the first books I pull out of my box when I get it. That says everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's um, the the designs of the kaiju. It's just especially with the daughter and son, oh, the, yeah. the mother mother and son. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's just jaw dropping. Yeah, I mean, it's like and, he must induce himself into a nightmare state. And then try and wake up from the nightmare and and and, and draw right. what he what he saw. The 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 ultra mega is beholden to Ultraman, uh, right? Visually, yeah. but the kaiju are not. Like yeah. I I don't know what what he does to generate these designs, but it's working. Um, I, mean, I think he said in the first issue, right, that he he had started to really fall in love with with uh, like the Cayman Rider stuff and kaiju movies and. And and kaiju kaiju anime, but he didn't. He was a self-professed noob at it. wasn't wasn't like he had some kind of. He is not a historian of it, but he was just inspired by it. And I, I think he mentioned Attack on Titan as one of the things that uh, inspired right. him on the on the kaiju side. But his kaiju are not traditional Sentai kaiju. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. they have an anything goes sensibility when they design their their uh, characters, like Scissor Tiger. Or there, you can pick any of the villains in, uh, well, I'll call them Power Rangers. And you know what I mean? Like you'll have refrigerator kaiju that, that literally has a stomach that opens up and it's a refrigerator. Or, the you know, the pig uh, Roman uh, design that was from Power Rangers. Like they, they don't balk at smashing together uh, disparate elements, right? His mm-hmm. kaiju are more BPRD-ish. Like they're icky and disgusting, but I I think they could fit very comfortably within the realm of BPRD. Uh, they don't look like traditional uh, Japanese kaiju to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's okay. They they don't have to. They're James Heron kaiju. And for seventy thousand dollars, that last issue could have been yours, Vince. Uh, good going for my man. Like there's there's nothing better than seeing uh, a very very talented craftsperson benefiting from their. How awesome is that, right? I yeah. mean, you think about that. I mean, he had no prayer of making anywhere close to that on the comic. You know what I mean? Like, like on just sales of the comic, um, whether well, we would like to have seen him or not. So, well, I heard like, sales are good. Yeah, but they need to be seventy thousand copies or better to to pay him that kind. Oh, of I money, think he's so. getting more than a buck for yeah. an oversized issue. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the cover price is double what normal. Image yeah, you true. would think he that's gets true. two bucks, right? Well, that's I true. mean, don't forget it is still a Skybound book. We don't know. We don't know what Robert's take is. Well, from what Chris said, I'm guessing Mr. Heron has a similar. I would hope. I would hope 
Yeah. I mean, James isn't working with Robert on the book, but uh, yeah, I would hope. I mean, for and Robert obviously knows talent because of who he's worked with in the past. So I, I would I would like to think that uh, you know James got the best deal possible to uh, to have Robert publish it. But then again, Kirkman's a businessman, right? If you can get James Heron at a discount and reap the rewards of his efforts, I would hope that he doesn't. But I'm guessing that. Who knows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first issue sold thirty-one thousand copies. Respect, so. right? Definitely, but my, my my point still stands that he's doing well, probably better than he had. He, he probably would have been fine with a lower number, but but he's not making seventy thousand dollars an issue off and of that, right? Without obviously without knowing the contract, and if it's like anything, if it's like what we think most Skybound works are, right? He's getting a page rate, so at least you know he's able to pay his bills and everything without worrying. About, I mean, that's, that's why we, we understand some people do, some creators do go to skybound because they are guaranteed that page rate. Whereas, right. you know, you just get it published with image proper, like Phillips, Jacob Phillips and, and, and Chris Conlon might, aren't, aren't going to be in the same situation that James is in because that Texas blood is being published by image, not under the skybound imprint. So, um, you know, they have to just, they're making whatever the, the book makes. And and hopefully... Yeah, or, to, or Tony. To, Tony or to, right, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. See, this conversation would be total white noise to me if I didn't care about the subject, right? Sure. Which is James Heron, right? Um, I, I'm, I lump him in, in the same category as uh, Andrew McLean. Super talented. Um, yeah idiosyncratic like an andrew mclean page is readily apparent you know he did it oh absolutely he's got a voice that's that just connects in immediately yep. james heron's the same way and there's there seems to be a rise lately uh, and by lately i mean within the last decade of these guys that have this unique sensibility daniel warren johnson nobody draws like daniel warren johnson yeah. right michelle fifa yeah, Fife is an, is that's a great choice. Is another one where you have these. I mean, in the eighties and the nineties, you had guys that were very very adept at what they did, but they were still in the big two mold, right? Um, right yeah. Jurgens, um, uh, and that that ilk. Where yeah, super great at what they do, but diverse, eh, not so much. But this this last wave. Of, of artists they're just incredibly singular entities like you cannot plug another one in you can't take james heron and put him on headlopper right because the 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 soul of that 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 book is is andrew mclean that's what makes that book work mm-hmm, sure. and it just amazes me that these guys are so young and they have found that that voice that visual voice that no one else has that's incredibly difficult yeah. to do and all these guys have done it like wow my head explodes when i think about it people go their entire careers without finding that voice right and they all they all have have quickly decided that they're they want to be they want to helm their own stories right right i mean well, heron so- obviously drew lots of for lots of other people but but it, from what i understand um, I guess it's always subject to change. His plan is to do his own stuff from here on out. Smart. Um, right? Sh- Sean Murphy did the same thing. Uh, D- DWJ, obviously, we just had him on, and he he said it would be his goal to, if he could, make spend the rest of his career just 
writing for himself, right? Um, yep. uh, McLean never did. McLean was always, I'm going to do my own thing, and, and as was as was FIFA. But but I mean, yeah, these guys are they're 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 charting their own course, man. Which is much respect, you know. That's because I think a lot of artists probably fancy themselves as being able to write. And and I, I I don't I I'm going to posit that that there are plenty of people that can draw their asses off that can't write a good story. Um, I'm not saying there aren't there are probably lots of artists who could write for themselves and do a great job. So I'm not saying it's like these are the only ones capable of. But I'm saying I'm sure there are plenty that aren't very good at it or don't want to. So right. it's impressive that this whole crew is 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 willing to to put their nuts on the table and say no I I can do the I can do it all I'm gonna I'm gonna own my own my own storytelling creative vision lock stock and barrel. Right. But uh, when you're as good as Heron and McLean, uh, just from my perspective, I give a little bit more leeway um, in terms of the narrative. When the when the images are this good, you have a lot of wiggle room with me. Sure. Like maybe That's it's fair. not the greatest story in the world, but mm-hmm. the the gravy is the the beautiful art. So, um, uh, but that said, I do think Headlopper. And uh, Ultra Mega are they're, they're complete packages. The stories are as compelling, and the characters are as compelling as the the visuals. Again, that's a magic formula. That's alchemy. How do you just? Uh, yeah, in Heron's case, he he was in the trenches with the BPRD stuff, and I mean, he did his time. He just didn't turn this good overnight. But Andrew McLean, like what? Before Headlopper. Where was the guy, right? He he just seemed to spring from that artistic womb, fully formed, and it's like he he just spun my head around. Nobody draws like Andrew McLean. It's 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 incredibly uh, gratifying to see, and it's incre- I'm jealous. Like I, I wish he could just spring from the egg that good. I don't know. <laughs> it's an anomaly, right? Um, I got to give Jason a little bit of. Uh, a little props for the Tilly oh. Walden. Yeah, the Tilly Walden love. Mm. I, I'm not talking about her storytelling because I don't know this Clementine person from Adam because I don't I've never played the games. Got it. I I guess from what I've read, she's a fan favorite character and she's been in the the uh the choose your adventure walking. Yeah, the te- she's the she's the main character in the Telltale games. Right. Uh how did she lose her lower leg? I don't remember. I played the games, but I, I don't remember. I, I don't. Right. Okay. But so. but I have no, uh, again, there's no gravitas. When she was uh, meeting with this child that she, uh, it seems that she raised in a sense and, and she's going off on her own. Like I, that, that didn't, there were no ripples uh, with me for that. But uh, her drawing is amazing. I like her drawing style a lot. I see a little bit of DW uh, Dan, uh, Daniel White. Very, very, yeah, absolutely, are, are in the same school of of of, of for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful, and I love it that it's in black and white. I think it, it works very well. Yeah, that's her. That's her vibe. She, uh, and in fact, I mean, a lot of her. Well, at least to this point, all of her stuff has been extremely um, personal, but. But on a sunbeam, which I think is is her, at least to this point, her magnum opus is uh, is a sci fi book as well. So she's 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 definitely capable of stretching her her artistic uh, sensibilities beyond just the two people talking on the page, which 
I think people think of when they think of her books. And that's okay if it's done really well, uh, yeah. like like this. You know, I mean, yep. nothing incenses me more than uh, just duplicating heads uh, for a conversation. There's none of that going on here. Every, every one of these panels is it's a unique entity. That's the way to do it. When you mm -hmm. just take that panel and duplicate it and duplicate it again, like, come on. Really? Okay, you finished that page in what? An hour? Wonderful. I'm happy for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that nothing that pulls me. Uh, no, it just pulls me out of the, uh, again, to use an overused expression, it just takes me out of the, the, the spells broken. When I see the same panel duplicated, the, the 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 wizardry that goes on when you when you sink into a a narrative, it, it's it just evaporates when when I can tell that there's a hand at work on this thing that just went control V control V like oh okay that's wonderful thanks you don't care enough about your story right or you care more about your deadline whatever so. I just thought this issue was a winner. I can't wait to see what issue two is like. Well, issue two, I'm, I'm getting well, yeah, which will be out tomorrow. But um, two, three, and four, I'll read the um, the image review comps because the only issue I think I have next coming is um, is the fifth with the uh, Trigger Keaton story. Ah. Birthright's in number two, so I'm going to devour that. Right. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, if I was reading, um, oh, whichever, if there's a firepower story also. But I mean, but if, if unless I'm currently reading a book um, that has a story in one of the issues, then I, I got that issue. Otherwise, um, the shorts would, would kind of be wasted on me since I'm not reading whatever story the title is referencing. Well, we got an imagerama forming because one of the things on my list is the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number one. Check yourself. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It is. All their, is. All, this, yeah, all their books are. Yeah. Uh, in case you're wondering, it's done by uh, Kyle Starks, wrote it. Chris Schweitzer drew it. Uh, Liz Trice Schweitzer colored it, and uh, John Mosian or Moisian was the editor. Um, again, it, it seemed like it was a week of just comfort food for comics. The, the setup on this is appropriately uh, ridiculous. You have a an action star in the Chuck Norris mode. His name is Trigger Keaton. Uh, pretty much universally loathed and despised by anybody that ever worked with him. Uh, had a career that started off strong, but quickly descended because of his reputation and the way he treated people into, uh, you know, uh, not world-shaking features and or television series. If, for one reason or another, the television series would be truncated because the the co-star would would uh, leave, or the ratings were bad because people saw him as a um, an, a ne'er do well. And uh, when the book opens, Trigger Keaton is found in a in his room, uh, apparently uh, committed suicide, and one of his sidekicks, Miles Wen, um, who ironically was playing a detective uh, alongside 
Trigger Keaton says, he looks around the room. He's like, mm, I don't know. I see clues here that uh, indicate to me that this is not a suicide. And that's the whole setup for the issue. Um, after the funeral, in which uh, six of uh, Mr. Keaton's sidekicks gathered, um, they decide to embark on a plan to prove that uh, Mr. Keaton was uh, murdered. That's the whole setup, but it's ridiculously fun. The The dialogue is great, um, particularly out of the mouth of one Terry Komodo. <laughs> this, this big, hulking, burly, uh, maybe like Willie Nelson on steroids. This guy is gigantic. And he's quite eloquent. He has a very broad vocabulary, and he's not afraid to to throw it at you. But he's, um, uh, I don't want to call him a Trigger Keaton apologist, but he is in a sense, right? Like he was mangled and, and maligned by Trigger as much as any of the other ones, but he's still, he's got a Trigger Keaton tattoo <laughs> on, his, on his chest. And he realizes that Trigger was a piece of shit, but... Um, he he still vouches for the dude in some sense, right? It it, it was just a, a, a maniacal adventure. I thought it was just appropriately stupid in in a lot of spots. Yeah, like like I like I always say with 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 uh, Starks, it's just humor is so subjective, and so I'm never gonna side eye someone if they read his stuff and don't love it, but whatever type of um you know astrolabe of of comedy there is out there uh our our stars are aligned i i i find his brand of humor incredibly amusing but equally appropriate i think schweitzer's art is is magnificent super fitting yeah i i was trying to i did a bunch of google searches i was trying to find this this art set that i had in the 70s and it 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 was a pink uh, a set that had pink wheels not spirograph that's the obvious answer but it's not spirograph and they were they were opaque pink wheels with trenches cut in the wheel and you pin the wheel to the paper and you you put number one at twelve o'clock, and you you would stick the your pencil in the trench and and draw that line from that stencil part. Then you would twist it uh, to number two at twelve o'clock and draw the next line. And then you didn't know what it was because you had all these uh, assorted lines that really didn't gel until you picked the wheel off the paper and you saw oh a rhinoceros. But because the wheel was was solid and the lines were cut into the the plastic i get that it's 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 very strange i get that vibe from schweitzer's art like a lot of the lines remind me of those lines that were on that wheel very you know um organic looking lines but they never intersected until i picked up the wheel his lines do that too he's got a very clean line doesn't use a whole lot of solid blacks I mean, he does when appropriate, but for the most part, he just lets the line do all the work and, you know, the color bolster the line. I, I think his work is just amazing. It's so free and light and and just, uh, to use that word, breezy. I mean, there's a lot of lines in it, but it's never overworked. He has that really delicate balance of just the right amount of lines. I I love his work. 
Oh, absolutely. No, he's he's. I think they're a terrific collaborative team. Um, I've definitely enjoyed Starks when he's paired up with others as well, uh, Erica Schultz and, and the like. But but yeah, they, I think they're the they're the dream team. But you know, Schweitzer can only draw so many so many pages of books. So Starks collaborates with others too. But no, I'm with you. I think they they did they it. I don't know how close they are. In, in IRL, but they they've struck they strike me as like best of friends. I, I I don't I don't know if there's any truth to that, but they they may be completely just business partners. But I <laughs> I, I picture them like just growing out, like cracking up as they make these books. Yep. And if you uh, are kind of like me, and you're like, what three ninety nine for a comic book? I hope I get my money's worth. You're going to get your money's worth with six sidekicks of trigger keaton not only is the story dense and there's a lot of dialogue in it a lot of characterization through uh dialogue there's a text piece in the back that fleshes out a little bit of the mythology of of trigger keaton and there's a couple of one page um mythology pieces in the back where you know you can join the trigger keaton circle of friends fan club for 795 <laughs> 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 or uh, and and this is the strongest Chuck Norris vibe, where you had the the martial art poster, where uh, he's doing a flying kick, and it's like these boots were made for justice, and it's like so so idiotic. I love it. I, I love silly, and this is this is is very silly book. Lots of panels too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's a great title. Yeah, I, like like fun. Jason, I really can't pass up anything done by these these two gentlemen um i loved the tv guide inserts yep yeah um oh, as, God, yeah. as each one of the sidekicks is is introduced you get um a little snippet from a tv guide page showcasing the or highlighting the 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 property on which they worked with trigger keaton and then you get uh like say an in- industry gossip mag uh on the other side that reveals the truth of the situation and uh as seen by the the media so it's really cool way to do it um yeah it's 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 pretty flawless immersive right mm-hmm. yep. yeah you guys are talkative bastards tonight what you're talkative you're just gushing at the mouth here jason what did you read i feel like we've been collaboratively discussing every book so far i, I want to hear more and, and it's every book that that vince has brought up too yeah right like, that's what i mean so i want to run it and that's been it i want to hear other Seriously. stuff come on <laughs> tell me what you're reading the the the, the audacity that's how yes. dare you so, how rude <laughs> um i mean listen sometimes you have great weeks sometimes you have not so great weeks this oh, was no. a great week man i read a lot of awesome stuff um but the best thing by far uh, that I read so far this week um, is uh, Always Never by uh, Jordi Lefebvre. And it wasn't very long ago that I wasn't familiar with that gentleman's work. And then shout out to incredible artist and good friend of the show, Mark Laming, who um, was he and some other artists were discussing on Twitter artists that inspire them and he threw out Jordy's name and said he was the best uh cartoonist alive today and i thought those are some some heady words from a gentleman whose own artistic skills are top notch so i said 
what 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 is this and and we we got to chatting and he said oh man you you would love it it's you know and uh, and i talked about all this when i talked about some of his other books and then i went and devoured thanks to europe comics who port over lots of bond dna to the u.s digitally that aren't available here in print at least in english and went and read uh, a huge chunk of lefebvre's uh, car- uh catalog to that point and he generally works with a writing partner um but uh but then I know that last year he put out a um, a, a work that uh, he wrote as well, um, wrote in Drew, and it was uh, it was called uh, Malgré Tout, uh, and it um, it was in French, so you know, c'est la vie. Um, but thanks to Europe Comics, they just brought it over here in the U.S as always never and it's essentially um it's it's a love story it, it basically the, the majority of the 152 pages re- revolve around two people um but it's just how well it's executed um the the the, the protagonists are named anna and zeno and we meet them the, the the opening page of the book title page is chapter 20 and we meet them as they're in their 70s and they're getting together for a very flirtatious walk through town she just baked him cookies he's making jokes about uh a bridge that she had a hand in having built years before um very flirtatious clearly they have great chemistry um and they're alluding to like you know times past and what have you um, and, and then after you've done the chapter and you turn the page, you see it's chapter 19 and you kind of get where this is going. It's 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 essentially a look back in time. So we see this this get together, this date, if you will, this walk through town in chapter 20 in their 70s. And we go all the way back to the final chapter of the book, chapter one, when they have first met and fallen in love. But it's not just a story of their love life. The cool thing about it is basically the premise here is that um, they've been star-crossed lovers. They've never, in 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 knowing each other for close to fifty years, they never have been able to consummate their relationship in a meaningful way because uh, life just went in other directions. He he was or is a uh, a free spirit, an artistic guy. He owned a bookstore for a while, but he. He spent most of his life sailing the seas as a, as a sailor, so he could see the world. And uh, he's just—he's quite literally very flighty and 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 uh, prone to um, the next adventure, regardless of where that takes him or what that means he's giving up. And she was very much uh, a career woman who ends up becoming mayor of this town um, very early, at an early age, and she spends most of her life as mayor of this town. And gets married and has a kid and 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 she's faithful to her husband and and she's a good mom. So like it's but but throughout their lives, throughout these these seemingly different lives where they they always maintained uh, an extremely strong emotional relationship. And reading this, I mean, certainly any of us that anybody listening that's 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 married and particularly if you consider yourself happily married, there was a power to that because. The book is extremely positive and extremely light and uh, vibrant, but like the underlying premise is that, oh, well, you know, she never consummated it. So it's all good. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, like I would argue that like 
having a one night stand at one point in their 40 years together would have been more understandable than having this ongoing passionate emotional love affair with this guy i mean they spoke all the time they spoke you know and like they would have hour multi-hour long conversations where she would stay at the mayor's office so she could talk to him and 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 write huge letters to each other all across the world telling each other about their adventures and their lives and um they were always each other's best friend and sounding board and so like um so, so it's it's an interesting look at, at 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 relationships and affairs and and it it's further complicated by the fact that that um her husband uh Anna's husband Giuseppe is fully aware um before in chapter in it, like at I keep saying, like, I want to say the end of the book. At the beginning of the book, when they're getting together, these two are getting together in their 70s for the state. She's told her husband, Giuseppe, and, like, he's okay with it, you know? Like, and and she's told her daughter, and her daughter's not really okay with it, but he, she told her daughter. And um, it's all very on the up and up. So it's it's a fascinating look in a very quirky uh, a quirky story. And then the other neat conceit that, that Jordy did with this is that even though um, – Zeno is is this sailor and 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 not responsible in a lot of ways. Uh, the structure of the book is made all the cooler by the fact that um, the book itself structures us back in time. Well, Zeno spent the entirety of his life in pursuit of a doctorate that he's been working on on and off on essentially quantum physics. And his thesis was that under the right conditions, time is mutable and you can go forward in time or backward in time. And in chapter one, we learned that he's just finished his dissertation. And throughout the book, you see the kernels of this idea. And then, and then over his life, how he, be, how these kernels of this idea uh, become this, this dissertation on this very deep theory of, of time and, and reality. And it's all in a way borne by his experiences with this, um, never quite ships passing in the night love affair. There's a point where he's on a boat, just kind of chit-chatting with uh, with fellow sailors, and one of the guys is just talking about the um, the, the 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 how moths can never quite get to the flame. And then another time they're talking about this idea that uh, the moon and the earth uh, are inextricably linked, you know, through the laws of physics, but yet never get to touch. And uh, and that's an, an on the nose metaphor for what the story is, and it just it's it's it was just fantastic, and it was such a quick read. And uh, if you go back and listen to when I first talked about Lefebvre, I mean the reason that that, that Laming I think and so many others hold him high regard is his his cartooning is just breathtaking. I mean every page looks like it's a a cell animation from the most beautiful uh, animated film you've ever seen. I mean he just has a way of making people look so alive just huge eyes and huge facial expressions and they're all beautiful in their own ways i mean even in their 70s the, the anna and Zeno are beautiful people and i just i just adored the book and i just cannot i cannot give your comics enough props for making these kinds of works available to us here in english because these are the kind of books that like if i did take when i go to europe again I will go to a store in France and I will come back with a suitcase full of these books and they'll be in French and I won't be able to read them, but I'll be happy to look at them 
and this book would have been fantastic if you couldn't read the words. But the fact that you can next to Europe Comics makes me super happy. And uh, you can get this on Comixology. I mean, that's generally where the easiest place to get these books. Uh, and it's absolutely worth your time. I, I, L- Jordy is an amazing dude. And he's like he's like our age, too. He's, he's in his early 40s. He's a young dude. I actually asked him about doing a commission, and he was willing to, but it uh, it exceeded my willingness to, to pay. <laughs> but more power to him, man, you know. He doesn't need my money. And he's certainly worth it. I like his style. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. But this book is just, it's just, I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, Vince, you're not exactly a romantic, so I don't think this is up your alley per se. Uh, You're completely Uh, wrong. I am. That's why I won't read stuff like this, because I am a romantic and it would. Well, okay. Let me reword. This is not something you would typically be gravitating towards. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Dap, you would eat this up. I mean, you'd want Renee to read it. I mean, this is, you know, you're a hopeless romantic, unapologetically. So th- this is this is a beautiful story of two people that are madly in love. And I, I it's, 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 you, you should definitely read it. Okay. I mean, I, I pretty much like just about any post Jordy puts on, on Twitter because the art is, is astounding. It's, it's yeah. gorgeous. I remember when I saw, I saw one of the books in, uh, in previews not too long ago. Um, I was, Elated, uh, probably glorious well, summers because I think they're putting that in print now. Okay, yeah. Um, that just means you know I hope that more people on this side of the pond will get to see his work. But um, but no, it's it's yeah. It, it he never struck me as the type of um, creator where I had to like oh let me start at the beginning or what was his first work. I think I no no, no anything. No, no. And, oh yeah and, yeah, uh, yeah yeah. So I I intend to. Awesome. Nice. It does sound good. Yes, it does. Yeah, you guys may remember uh, the because uh, I talked about three of his books when I when I first brought him up, but the one that really hit hit me was Lydia, which was the one where the 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 woman loses the, the baby, but the whole little little province suburb in France spends yeah. her whole life pretending like the like the baby exists. Yeah, it's like servant in inverse. Yeah, it's 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 it, it it you know the premise itself seems super creepy and psychotic, but the book is it. But it's just his style that. But it, this there's no irony in it. There's no black mirror like aha moment. It's just no. These people love her, and they can't deal with the tragedy that she endured, and they just play along because what's the harm in it? And it's beautiful because of that. Because like you you know there'd always be someone. In 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 the real world, there would always be at least some asshole on the block that would be like, "Dude, your baby's dead!" Right? right. Like, you would, there would be someone that was going to spoil the illusion. Oh, sure. But not here. Here, there, every person's all in on the whole thing, and it's beautiful. Yeah, that is refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tap a diddle. Tap a diddle. He says. Tap a diddle. Um, well, there's something I think I'll I'll tag team on with Jason a little bit. So. Oh, um, shit. In the, um, I was catching up. I was catching up on a few things, and um, after after the first arc of um, of Bendis's Justice League, the latest issue, sixty four, um, with art by Steve. Pug, who um, so Marquez is is uh, taking a break after his arc. Um, 
this kind of this issue kind of picks up where Bendis' Superman run um, left off because the last the villain at the end of of the Superman story, right? Because it was it was issue twenty eight. Then we had Future State, and then PKJ took over. So um, there was a character called uh, Sinmar who came to Earth and was basically fucking up Superman left and right. So Superman followed him to his world and the other end of the universe where like, you know, it, it's, it's extremely dark. Superman's losing his powers and everything. Um, but saves the day with the help of the, um, I don't remember if it was the United Brigade. It was weird because in this issue of justice league, they're called the United order. And, and basically they're kind of like the, um, the national guard of, of the United planets. And, um, after, uh, so, so Sinmar was a prisoner, um, to face, um, consequences of his actions. So, so uh, to stand trial for his crimes and, um, and, and this, this United order includes Hawkslayer, who's a Thanagarian. Uh, there's a, a, a Tamarian, um, a, uh, a Daxamite, a Dominator, and, and you've just got, you know, all the heavy hitters of, of the different alien races of the DCU are in this, um, it, it, it make up this, this team. And, uh, unfortunately, Sinmar escapes and heading right towards Earth. But, um, before he gets to Earth, we get some, uh, some alone time with, um, Green Arrow and, and Black Canary, and uh, they're actually being watched or stalked um, by someone who turns out is a member of Checkmate, which, of course, now this will then tie into the current Checkmate Limited series that, that Bendis is writing. And, and that also kind of it's it's been a long time coming because it's also part of the fallout of the event Leviathan event that uh that bendis and believe were doing when um when bendis came over to dc so we're finally it's been a few months it's been a while but 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 he's finally um able to put things in in move the pieces around and and, and make sense of what he was working on or leading toward um a year or two ago but uh as far as the rest of the justice league their kind of training Naomi Aquaman is um, is is trying to prepare her for some some hand to hand combat because uh, right now he's probably I mean Black Adam's kind of just like hanging back um, watching it all but but pretty much Aquaman is the only one here who um, can kind of take any abuse that Naomi wants to uh, dish out because I don't think she's in any rush to kind of throw hands at uh queen hippolyta but um naomi's parents show up they come by and all of this of course is just just in time for for sinmar to uh to show up in um in earth's orbit so you have um superman hawk hawk girl or hawk woman sorry uh aquaman flash naomi the queen um it looked like Black Adam kind of 
flew home, but I can't really tell. So Batman's like saying everybody's on alert. Superman's like, there's no time um, for him to even head into space and intercept. Uh, they need the full Justice League, the heavy hitters, whatever that means, because at the you turn the page and it's a full page, full page splash of um, of Sinmar about to uh, crash into into Superman, and 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 now we're we're to be continued. So I. As much as I enjoyed the first arc, because we got a little bit more information on Naomi and uh, her homeworld, and when the Justice League went to visit Naomi's homeworld, everybody's powers was kind of um, out of whack or amplified. Black Canary's scream was like super amplified, um, and Green Arrow. Green Arrow was kind of off kilter. Aquaman seemed to have gotten um, kind of the brunt of uh, the short shrift. Rather, he he really was wasn't uh, wasn't much use there. But um, but now that that arc is done, and now it looks like we're going to see it's been pretty much nonstop action. Whether they're going to another home world to 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 take on the big bads over there, or an alien that. Uh, kind of beat the crap out of Superman shows up to face the Justice League. Um, Bendis gives you a couple of panels or a couple of pages for you to catch your breath, but it kind of feels like nonstop, um, which is fine, which is great. It's the Justice League. They, you know, you want to see them um, hot and heavy. And I guess it's kind of um, the opposite of, uh, of whatever people may have felt about his Avengers run, which for a time was, you know, people just kind of sitting around talking about what's going on with uh, a secret invasion or a civil war or anything like that. But um, the only, my, my, I don't want to call it a problem, but what I do have an issue with seems to be the covers for Justice League because so far none of them really um, are indicative of the interiors or if they are by the very faintest of threads like like the cover of 64 says introducing the order and you see a bunch of shadowy figures and yeah you'll see the united order on like the fourth page but it's not like they're coming down to face off against the justice league which the cover kind of implies um that earlier cover had black adam and naomi like in chains or or uh yeah in in chains as if they were in trouble with the rest of the justice league about to cast judgment on them and that had nothing to do with the inside of um of the book so it's just it, it's a little weird i'm not sure where I'm not sure where the disconnect is between the covers that marquez is um is drawing and uh and what's actually going on in inside the issue so i mean i i'm not one to judge a book by its cover and, and covers don't necessarily um move me to pick up a book these days but it is it, it it's a little weird that so far, um, what I see on the cover does not really tell me what's going to happen in, inside the issue. But yeah, Justice League is is I'm is, and and even the Justice League dark stuff in the back, the, uh, the the first the first arc wrapped up at the same time as as the main story. This one um, features uh, the Batman, um, still written by by Ram V. This time it's illustrated by. Um, 
Sumit Kumar. And, you know, they don't... Um, I used to enjoy the the eight-page backup stories, whether it was at the back of uh, Detective Comics with Green Arrow or DC used to do whatever happened to, and in the back of, like, a Green Lantern issue, there'd be uh, Airwave. And I always got to kick it at the little backup stories. And, and that, that kind of... Is, it takes me back a little bit to this. I mean, they're more, it's almost like half the issue, the, uh, the justice league dark story. So it's not, it, it's not like it's just a short little eight page story. They're, they're actually telling a, um, a multi-part tale in, in a bunch of pages, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not reading the issue thinking, you know, well, this was a waste or I just really wanted to read these first 20 or so pages. I, um, um, in, in this particular case, I'm not calling it an anthology or anything, but in this case with the Justice League, I'm not, uh, I'm not getting halfway into the into the issue and then rolling my eyes because here's a story featuring characters I, I, I could care less about. It's um, as far as DC and their also featuring backup tales, um, I'm, I'm not complaining about the Justice League. I don't know why, I don't know how things are going with any of the other. Um, multi-story issues i know they're doing it with with superman and action comics whether it's tales of metropolis or anything like that and, and and in that case i don't have a problem with that either i don't know how many other um dc books are doing it obviously nightwing isn't but i don't know if detective or batman is but um i would think it would be i'm surprised actually that they're not doing it with uh with wonder woman and wonder girl i'm glad wonder girl's getting getting her own book or same thing with Harley. Like there isn't like Harley isn't in the backup of a, of a suicide squad series. She, she's got her own book, but, um, there's yeah, me just kind of rambling about some shit just now, but no, justice league is still, I'm, I'm, um, I'm having fun with it. There you have it. I'm confused though. What did they have to do with tag team with me? No, he no, said later. Didn't. Yes. Oh, yeah. Later, oh, because you I just was going to say, I'm like, wait, I didn't read any of this. No, <laughs> no, like, yeah, all right, no, no. Okay. All right, all right. Respect, hey. respect. I got more comfort food. Of course you do. Yeah. It's dynamite. Dynamite. Is there is there any better comfort food for me? Um, uh, specifically, the dynamite lives miniseries. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Which um, just the premise: the dynamite uh, multiverse has been infested by the living dead and they uh, they thought that their savior the chosen one peter cannon thunderbolt was going to be the one to pull them all out of the the turmoil unfortunately <laughs> as with the end of die exclamation point namite uh that has not proven to be the case uh mr thunderbolt has been turned and uh this is uh, now normally i would have been a little torqued that the die namite miniseries didn't end uh, in fact, the events of that spill over into this. This is called Dynamite Lives, number one. <laughs> it's written by the only writer to ever get an entire month on our show. FVL? Fred Van Lenty. Damn, Van Lenty. How about that? Yeah. That's from the past. Uh, illustrated by Vincenzo Caratu. Uh, Mike, or Kike Diaz is the colorist. And uh, again, that name, Hassan Atsmani Alahu, was the uh, letterer. 
Now, time out before you go on. I, I didn't know that Karatu drew this, but I have a killer commission from Karatu from uh, last year. Interesting. So, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me ask you this. If you were editorial at Dynamite, um, in, in taking into account the characters under the Dynamite umbrella, if you were telling a story featuring an outbreak of the living dead, who's your go-to character? You may not know all the characters under the Dynamite umbrella. I was going to say, I mean, I, I like Vampy. Is that what you're going for? Well, Vampirella is in it. Yeah, Draculon okay. has been inundated by the uh, the plague. But uh, no, more appropriately, I'm talking about a character that has appeared in movies and TV shows and is known for dispatching the living dead. One, Mr. Ashley Williams. Ash from the Living Dead, from the Evil Dead movies, is front and center in this book. The chin that could kill. And when the book opens, he's, uh, he's appropriately enough, he's stocking shelves at S-Mart. You want to shop smart? Shop S-Mart. And he's using a lift to uh, toilet paper, stock toilet paper onto the, the warehouse shelves. And his uh, his manager, Tammy's giving him a hard time. Like, come on, you suck. Get this done. All of a sudden, the warehouse is uh, full of deadites. And uh, the shit hits the fan appropriately enough. Ash does what he does best. He uses the, the tools at hand to... to uh, to kill these things he busts open a bunch of liquor bottles lights them on fire but it's not enough he needs stronger weaponry and there's a panel uh after the explosion there's a panel of ash standing there um arms outstretched it's with tammy grabbing his leg it's basically the movie poster for army of darkness but anyway so this woman is portly uh middle-aged and uh she doesn't really like him but he's kind of her only hope now and he's like, okay, go to aisle, whatever, bin, whatever, and get me, get me a weapon, get me a chainsaw, because he has the the left the the stump that he has fashioned to accept a number of inputs. So she's frazzled. He's fighting the deadites. She goes and tries to get what he asked her to bring back, but instead of <laughs> instead of a chainsaw, she brings him back a weed whacker. <laughs> So he puts a fucking weed whacker on his arm. <laughs> but it does the job, oddly enough. She gave him one with not not uh, fishing, like like not a line on it. It has a blade. So it was made for cutting, you know, bigger brush. But it's still a weed whacker. And he does the thing. He's going through it. Um, and then uh, we get a, a little bit of the fallout from the previous series. Um, things didn't go well for our, our group. Uh like I said, Draculon is inundated. Um, so you have Miss Fury, Vampirella, um, uh, Daredevil. It also mixes in Project Superpowers with uh, this. Uh, and, of course, Pantha shows up. And Vampirella and Pantha don't get along. It That goes back to the Warren days. Um, the thing is, the, the Deadites... Uh, Tammy's turned, by the way, and Ashes. <laughs> he wears her head on his belt into battle. <laughs> so um, the Deadites seem to be organized. They they flee the warehouse and they go to a, another point. And Ash is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This only happens under one condition. There's a leader here, 
something something's driving these these monsters organizing them and getting them all all uh, rallied up it turns out that the leader is uh dead sonia red sonia has been turned and she is now uh, in command of the deadites and in her uh in her group is the turned peter cannon thunderbolt and bob the black terror uh it's incredible i this is this is that 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 delicious super sweet icing with maggots in it I'll, you know caveat uh that it just goes down so easy i could read this all i could read this all day all week whatever uh, uh smiley the button from uh evil Ernie's button is uh is in here and it's just ridiculous the whole thing is just silly but i love silly and i love evil dead i love the dynamite universe this is like a uh, a minestrone that just is just wonderful to me um if you're not in touch with these characters i don't know maybe you won't like this but um this is just it speaks to me in ways that you know the more um respected comics you know i love them we all have have uh the things that we go to um to propel us from those giant comic stepping stones that like monsters monsters was great do i enjoy this more than monsters uh probably not but this is more immediate it's more visceral it connects instantly and um i'm satiated at the end of it what more do you want this is what i go to and uh there are a number of covers on this bad boy the soydom isn't totally horrible I don't know if that's, you know, that's going to make you want to go see it. But the uh, Linzer, holy crap, this guy is at the peak of his prowess. I don't think I've, I love Linzer, and I always have, but contemporary Linzer, the work he's doing for Dynamite on their covers, he has never, ever been this good. It, it just seems like the guy is firing, you know, a thousand percent every cover is magnificent his technique is just gorgeous he has this amazing ability to just compose it exactly the right way the guy's a uh a, a, a wizard i love Linzer stuff um there's no jay lee cover for this unfortunately but uh there's a lucio perillo which is okay but uh, my go-to is the Linzer for this because there's not a jay lee cover but this book was great stupid stupid fun i love it Good job, Fred. They need to have some J.J. Walker variant covers. Dynamite, yeah. I saw yeah. him. He's on a commercial now for some, um, I think it's a health insurance thing, or he's hawking something. He doesn't have the, the hat. He's bald. And Well, they usually get the old sitcom guys to do the, the Beatus commercials or yeah. the, the, the health insurance, life insurance, where you don't need any kind of uh, screening commercials. Yeah, that's something like this. Yeah, what or the uh, chair up the of uh, up the stairwell, uh, like lift commercials. Yeah. But the, he does say dynamite in the in the commercial. So nice. Yeah. I mean, how could he not? Never change. Hey, that's his thing, right? That's right, man. Yeah, good to have a thing. But it, it makes me a little bit sad that those that grew up with J.J. Walker now need affordable health care. <laughs> like hey, and that would be me, right? I don't. Time is undefeated. I know. I know. But, um, yeah, this book was great. Dynamite Lives. Go read it. All right. Yeah, it's a whole lot of fun. 
What else do we have? What a, uh, oh, I was trying to figure out what you were talking about with our collabo. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know if this is a condemnation of it, but even though it's on my list, I for the life of me can barely remember what happened in it. What's that? <laughs> Here, I assume Dap was referring to Heroes Reborn. No. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, look at your second one. It was one of the best things you read that week. Oh, oh, I didn't see it on your list. Nice. Oh, yeah. Then that's yeah. Speak on that now. That that's worth talking about. Well, I, I mean, I after reading your comments about it, um, I, I I I sat down. I read. I mean, I didn't I didn't read your comments before I read it because I okay. wanted to just read it. But um, I will just say that it did not. It didn't go in the direction I was expecting it to. No, no. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not completely upset about that. Um, one thing though, I, I really, really appreciate it is, is, um, is uh, so, so for anybody playing along, <laughs> talking about the delicacy, yeah, by James Albin, who is a uh, writer and illustrator from Scotland, um, and uh, and and and, he, and he's had a couple other graphic novels, but, um. You know the write-up from uh, in the IDW section with this is under top shelf, but um, you know just like just like I gave Starve a shot, anything basically you're going to mess around with food, I, I I'm, I'm going to check it out. So um, saw this in the catalog, figured it was a, a no-brainer. I had to check it out. I, I liked what I saw as far as the preview pages went, um, but there is there there is one page I got to. Um, not quite not quite no yeah well 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 before the halfway mark but there is um there is a page where he uh page 127 where he is screaming that he's an idiot uh because of the interview he just gave and he's screaming in the walk-in and and the um well, there's a podcast i listen to called the walk-in where um there's a uh, a chef who talks to other chefs and the aside from the walk-in being the place where obviously your perishables are, are stored in a restaurant uh it's also the place where um the kitchen staff would go for to 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 unwind to catch their breath to let out a good cry whatever the reason is and um i just I was completely, I was, I, I was amused and um, quite pleased to see um, James take advantage of basically anything and everything um, in the kitchen environment to tell this story. But basically uh, we're, we're introduced to, um, to two brothers Um one goes by Danny, even though that's not really what 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 his mother named him, and uh, and Rowan, and and they're they're left a uh, they're left a farm. They their uh, their uncle, their aunt and uncle uh, have gone missing, and the lawyer shows up, and um, the mom wants nothing to do with it. She wants nothing to do with the mainland. She's she's a crunchy hippie living off the land, and and only cares about you know her her, her chakras and and want to hell with western civilization and and modern medicine anything like that she's just she's 
she's doing her own thing and and she's trying to you know raise her her boys that way that you know you give to the land you take from the land and it's just a circle of life and that's that's you know you don't need the the pollutants or the nonsense the stress the hectic city life nobody needs that you'll stay here with me but Danny, Danny wants to cook. Danny's a chef, and uh, at at the uh, at the local inn, um, and when he when he finds out that he and his brother now have land in in the city, basically you know near London, um, they're going to leave. They're going to go try. Mom's not thrilled about it, but you know, listen, they're old enough. They don't need mom's permission, um, so they go. And Rowan. Rowan's the farmhand. He's he's one with the soil, and and all he cares about is making sure that you know everything thrives. And 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 his thing is, I'm gonna stay in the house, and I'm gonna take care of the land. And Danny goes and finds a restaurant, finds a storefront, and um, gonna turn it into a restaurant. Have you know local homegrown produce, um, and just really live his live his dream um and and rowan finds mushrooms growing on the land that uh he hasn't really seen before a little unusual um but danny takes him to the restaurant and uh the patrons cannot get enough of them and that seems to be the i whole... want these fucking mushrooms i want <laughs> to eat a tasting menu with these mushrooms i mean they just it's it's all he's caring about right now is that like doesn't matter what else is on the menu doesn't matter what else what else Rowan is growing back home, we need to make sure we have these mushrooms because because the mushrooms they the people are done eating and on their way to the, you know they're springing their step they're smiling they're laughing everybody's standing up straight it's like whatever burden they had walking into the restaurant as soon as they have these mushrooms and they're getting ready to leave like they're just like ten years younger they're just it's 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 amazing what these mushrooms do. Um, but even beyond the things going on in the restaurant, you know, we're, we're, we're getting little things. We're, we're getting conversations here and there. And we're, and we're, um, you know, Danny's spending a lot of time in the city at the restaurant. Uh, Rowan's feeling a little neglected from time to time. It's like, you only come by when you want to check on the ingredients. You only come by to make sure, you know, we have plenty of mushrooms and that's a problem because, because these mushrooms have never been seen before by the brothers, they're not sure how to keep going, how 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 to cultivate them so they can keep growing mushrooms. And and what is it about this particular plot of land? Why 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 do they only grow right here? And we find out why later. But why? What's so special about them? And um, and over time. Danny stops really stressing about the mushrooms and, and he's, he, the, the portions are even smaller. They're not, they're not the focus of the, of, of the dish. Now they're just, you know, on the, the, as a side dish and he can cut them thinner and let them last a little longer, making sure, you know, he's always going back into the kitchen to make sure, you know, he's, he's, he's got enough for, for service. Um, there's a time, there's a moment where he's about to be <laughs> shaken out. It's, it's someone shows up, to extort uh, Danny, ba- basically, you know, listen, the, the local mobster stops by to let him know, you know, it's a nice place you got here. Be ashamed if anything were to happen to it. We make sure nothing's going to happen to it. 
you just, you know, you cut us some, cut us in on the action and, you know, we'll make sure your patrons don't leave with, you know, slashed tires and you don't have broken windows when you come into work the next day, things like that. And the restaurant has a lot of stairs to get upstairs so Danny can get to the safe to pay this dude off. And my man is large. And I mean, he's sweating just talking to Danny. And he falls and has a heart attack halfway up the stairs. And now Danny's freaking out because he's like, you know, he moved the body, which I was just like, dude, like, just if you just come clean, like, why would you even stress all this? But um, he's got to figure out what to do with the body. And he finds a way to get rid of the body. And um, and and we end up with with more mushrooms, which, of course, Rowan is like, we can't we we you can't. You can't serve these mushrooms. Like the soil is made that like the mushrooms are growing in the soil where a dead man has been buried, and and it's like that's not you can't you can't serve this. You 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 this is not. I just I can't. I really I'm not comfortable being a part of this. Um, Danny goes back to the restaurant. Still doing his thing. That that we, we get a breakdown of the kitchen staff, which is great. And then and then the story, because the restaurant is becoming popular and uh, mostly due to the mushrooms, uh, Danny's kind of empire in air quotes begins to grow and um, and and we get we get some really cool double page spreads of cutaways of the restaurants that that that, that he's opening and I love. I love the style of art in this book because it's just, it's, it's so free and, and it doesn't matter. You you know who everybody is, whatever, but there's just, it's not a recklessness, but there is just a, um, there's just a freeness to, to, to the way James has illustrated this story. And, and it, it just, it helps with the flow. And I mean, I, I, I consume this over like, a day a day and a half and it was just because it is it, it's not a small book but um i just i'm soaking in all the pages trying to see and i'm, I'm looking at the different dishes and, and there's even breakdowns of some of the recipes and um there's a moment where the book kind of takes a turn which is part where i was saying i wasn't really expecting and and it kind of just the book the story goes where the story goes. There's no, um, I, I, I would have expected a different ending. I'm not going to say if it was, if I was expecting maybe a happy ending or, or everybody all smiles at the end of it, but I, I kind of, I definitely wasn't expecting where, where, where we're going, but this was a delight. I, I didn't, I really didn't. I mean, just based on the solicit, I was looking forward to it. I didn't know what to expect, but, um, I, I was, I was completely pleased with this. I, I, I'm going to recommend it. I I would I I want other people to read this, whether you care about food or not. It's just it's it's a it, it's a crazy at times fun story, and and I again I think I I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad you loved it. I figured you would after reading it myself. I thought, oh, this is I know Dap was excited for this, and he'll this is totally up his alley. You know, it's funny what you just said about it. How being you want everybody to read it, and you think it's accessible. I I'm glad you think that because I. I after I was done, I thought, well, I love this book, but I wasn't sure if I love this book because it does focus on a number of things that I love, things that, that you share as well. I Like, I mean, I don't – like, it does go into the minutiae of running restaurants and, and, and fine dining and the – 
the the you know the, that running the gamut of 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 the ambiance and the number of seats and the number of t- turns they can do in a night and yeah. sourcing ingredients and, and, and menu preparation. And, and, and it really does, uh, pay homage to the, to the nuances of being a restaurateur, which is, is something I've always had an interest in, but I, I presume quite a few comic readers don't necessarily care one way or the other. Um, so I think it's the, it's the twist that, uh, we're dancing around that I think, maybe is the hook for the, for the broader audience. But I wonder if the gateway is, is daunting for people. Like if you see this in the solicits or you see this on the shelf and you're thinking, Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really super into food. I'm not a foodie. Uh, I could see people avoiding this because they don't know that it's a, a dark fable. Really? I mean, it's at its core. It's, it's, yeah. it's really a, 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 a morality play that, that would be fine in, in an episode of twilight zone, you know, too. But, uh, but but yeah, I loved it. Like I mean, just like you. I mean, it was my best thing. I read that this week that in, on on the on the Facebook group uh, a few weeks ago when I did read it. Um, you know, the the art style, like you said, is is definitely something unique. We don't see this very often. It's 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 painted and it's it's very light and loose and very. I mean, it's vibrant. It uses a million colors. Um, yeah, I dug it a lot, man. And 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 I think that it's it is dark. Like it's it's not. It, it isn't just a, a, a slice of life story about these two brothers who who make good and break big. I mean, it's it's got a very very dark underpinning that uh, that uh, that that you know I think in the hands of the right uh, director it could be a pretty pretty dope movie actually. But uh, yeah yeah no it's I I think that the thing that you didn't mention that I think needs mentioning is that it's it's published by Top Shelf and and you know Chris Staros has been. Um, along with with friend of the show Chris Pitzer, I think those two guys have been doing stalwart work as taste curators for a fucking long time now, and just doing their own thing. And obviously, Staros now is—I mean, he sold Top Shelf um, to IDW, so it's 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 an IDW brand now. But but I mean, he's still at the helm, and it was a good reminder of just what impeccable taste dude has. You know, I I, I just think there's certain guys that that. They they've done such a great job unearthing creators and books over the years that wouldn't find a place otherwise, and I love them for it. And I very much um, will miss them when they decide to to retire or, or give up the whole folly. So I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. They, um, I mean, yeah, with the with the turtlenecks a couple of weeks ago from Madhouse, and yeah, I, I've just I've been really. It's, you know, I get, I get to the previews and I will, you know, you got to get through the the bigger publishers at the start, but um, more often than not, I will go right to, I'll, I'll check out the ad house section just to see what, uh, what Chris might be offering that month. And then I'll go back to the front of the catalog and, um, and kick off just because I want to make sure that if it is. If it's if it's something from Madhouse that I am going to um, to be interested in, I want to make sure I mark that page so that it's it gets in the uh, in the shopping cart at DCBS. But then I, I'm not going to miss Top Shelf since that's part of the IDW publishing now, and sure. and, and yeah. so it's always going to be there. But um, yeah, I I, um, I I'm I'm enjoying a lot of the uh, little offshoot. Um, 
graphic novels lately but this was yeah this was i i definitely recommend it and yeah there is it it is it it takes it takes a few pages before you may get the i mean the feel the tone of it is pretty much apparent art wise but uh it 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 takes it takes a few dozen pages before you really get into the heads of um of of the brothers mom mom's kind of an open book you kind of get the sense of what she's about right away but um but yeah, once once you see the brothers, um, kind of live their best life, uh, you 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 see who they really are, and it's yeah, it it's it's um, it's got some twists and turns. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Let's wake Vince up. I'm here. <laughs> well, there you go. We just needed a weed whacker attachment, and we would have had you. That's, yeah. yeah, I don't even know if a weed whacker attachment would have done it on that one. <laughs> Dude, the mushrooms, though. Oh, love me some mushrooms. <laughs> you know, I've told you guys this before. The single greatest meal I've ever had in my life was a was a was a white truffle tasting menu, um, by prepared by Mario Batali, the now the now exiled and and and, uh, and canceled Mario Batali. Uh, he was probably acting horribly inappropriately to the women in his kitchen on that, that very night. But, uh, I wouldn't have known that, but, uh, but yeah, man. So you, I mean, uh, mushrooms can be transcendent. They I really do love can them. Be. Yeah. It's one so of my this favorite thing food. Is, if these mushrooms were like better than white truffles, like I can't even fathom. I mean, it'd be orgasmic. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of orgasmic, we would like to thank our patrons okay. for making this thing happen. It's cool night, I guess. no, <laughs> We still have to do three more books, dude. <laughs> uh, Thank you for the patrons for making this happen. They're with us, for us, uh, every single month. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around if you like what you see. We would love to have you. That said, I implore you. My little hands are making, they're, they're, they're interconnected and they're, they're shaking because I want you to read this book. It is from a blaze. It is called Space Pirate Captain Harlock, number Ooh, nice. one. And, uh, of course, it uh, features the captain of the Arcadia himself, Space Pirate Captain Harlock. Uh, the story goes that uh, Earth was colonized millions in, of years ago by a, uh, a race called the Mazons. And they fled the planet, but they left uh, sleeper agents populating the globe. Uh, they're encased in ice, waiting to be activated. Well, the Mazons, for whatever reason, had to flee wherever they ended up, and now they, uh, they think, well, let's go back to that big blue planet we, uh, we colonized way back when, and we'll just set up shop there. So they uh, dispatched this giant black hue, uh, uh, sphere, to the planet, and it lands right in the middle of the the capital, and it emits radiation, fucks everything up, um, environmental collapse. The uh, the idiot politicians try and pass it off as uh, nothing to worry about. It's just a giant black sphere. Psst. We'll we'll deal with it. Um, so the the population is is fractured. You have this very very small group of haves that are controlling everything, and then everybody else is a have-not. 
and they they have to follow in the uh, moronic decisions of the uh, the leading body or the ruling body. Uh, so Captain Harlock uh, flees the planet and be and he's a pirate. Uh, he su- survives and sustains by doing what pirates do. He uh, attacks and boards spaceships and 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 strips them of their uh, essentials and distributes them not only among his crew but to uh, to people on Earth. But he doesn't like to to make an appearance on Earth because he's wanted. He's an outlaw. But he has a uh, a young lady uh, on Earth, uh, a child who he has pledged to uh, take care of. Her name is Mayu. And he he shrugs off the fact that he's wanted it, and he'll go into the lion's mouth to uh, tend to this young girl. Meanwhile, the uh, the Maisons are, are making a beeline for Earth, and the uh, the sleeper agents are, are becoming activated. How does that happen? Well, in typical space opera fashion, you have the one professor, uh, Daiba, who is... Uh, trying to tell everybody that this big black sphere is no good. I know exactly what it is. It's a it's a, a Maison uh, ship, and we're all doomed, and we got to figure this out, and he's ostracized. Nobody wants to hear anything out of this guy's mouth. So uh, there's an Antarctic base, right? And they find this really strange artifact with this writing on it, and they can't make sense of it. So they bring in another professor, Reiji, who is a colleague of Professor Daiba, and uh, they uh, they have him try and decipher it, and he does. He's like, this is a Maison um, artifact, and it basically says, you know, here's here's what's going to happen. Everything's uh, laid out. That we there's sleeper agents everywhere, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the professor's duped at the end of this issue. Into um, there was a traitor uh, on the the Antarctic base. And uh, he's duped into freeing this giant Maison woman with with crystal ice hair. And that's where the issue ends. But uh, my goodness, this thing, uh, I forgot to give you the creative team. It is uh, written by Leiji Matsumoto, of course, who did the OG Captain Harlock. And uh, Jerome, I'm going to butcher the last name. I'm sorry. There you are. (laughs) It's... uh, Alqui, I'm guessing it's A L Q U I E with an accent. So Alqui, maybe Alquie, I don't know. But Jerome's art, oh my goodness, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's um, it's not in the tradition of the original. I mean, the the Matsumoto's stylings are there in the characters, but the line is very very thin, um, and. Uh, Jerome lets the color work uh, hold the line. And oh my goodness, every page, the panels look like they were pulled from an animation uh, cell. The, yeah. the the backgrounds are gorgeous and full process, beautiful color blends. Um, it is just a lot of double page spreads too, which, uh, man, this guy has command of these pages. They're absolutely stunning. Uh, if you're a fan of the original, I think you'll like this. Uh, I don't see why you wouldn't. It it it's very um, 
beholden to the source material, but it's an updated version of it. Like the the Arcadia looks amazing uh, in space. There's if you want to see, go to our website, eleven o'clockcomics.com. Click on the thread for this episode, and you will be able to view the Arcadia in all its glory. Because I pulled that page for the gallery. Uh, just uh, we get the the crew is fleshed out a bit. Um, the the uh, little little Mayu is is fleshed out. Uh, she likes to play the ocarina, so you're getting a, a Link vibe a little bit. It's uh, it's a great book. Uh, I'm ordering it in singles because I didn't want to wait until the inevitable hardcover collection. That's what a, a Blaze does really well. If you read the Sumerian, you know those hardcovers are gorgeous. Uh, I'm expecting more of the same for this, and I'll probably double dip because I found this book really fascinating. Um, it's a traditional approach to Captain Harlock, so it should be. Uh, it's just wonderful. So from a blaze, Space Pirate Captain Harlock, number one. It's just astounding. Dap, did you take a look at this? Yeah, I flipped through it at the um, at the shop, and I I was really really um, impressed. I'm not I'm not super familiar with the original. Um, so I was I was hesitant to um, to give this a shot because I wasn't sure how much I would have needed to know. Um, so I have it. I just I, I have to read it, but I've 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 flipped through it and uh, a couple times, and and I just because I when I think about you know what I'm going to sit down and read, and I flip through this, and I go back to something else, but it it, it looks amazing. You're right. I mean, it's um, I really 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 like the look of it. Yeah, it's pretty gorgeous. Harlock has. Uh... A companion. It's a. Its name is Tori, but it's it's a vulture, flamingo, pelican <laughs> thing with with this impossibly this thin neck. Yeah, it's like a string. His neck is really thin. I don't know how it could support the giant beak on the head, but whatever. It's it's cartoon physics, but it's, it's this creature's just amazing, uh, wonderfully designed stuff. Yeah. Captain Harlock, go get it. I don't know how long it's going to run, but this was obviously pulled from uh, an, an album, like a, a yeah. band, band SNA. So whatever. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it was originally uh, published in uh, 2019. Yeah. Superb so, stuff. Indeed. Uh, this morning, I read... The second issue of Bloom from uh, Hero Tomorrow Comics by Ted Sikora and Butch Mappa. And the first issue was kind of crazy with the setup where uh, you're introduced to Ramsey, who's an aspiring comic book writer. Um, His day job, he works as a mechanic. Uh, So he's got his ideas for a comic book character and he meets a, um, a, a dancer for a uh for for a band and and figures she'd be perfect for uh for what he's trying to do and takes her out to the woods um and uh takes some photos after he paints her up with all these little symbols and glyphs all on her skin uh so the second issue because the first issue ends with them getting a little close with one another and i will add that uh ramsey is attached 
to someone. Uh, has a uh, has a fiance. So um, he uh, he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. But the second issue picks up right where the the first issue ended, where uh, we see Ramsey uh, and um, and his fifth tall lying uh, in the grass, naked, just hanging out. But um, something definitely clicked with the um, with the young lady because she. Um, she uh regina starts acting um i'm just gonna say she starts acting a little weird she she keeps um she's really getting into the character that ramsey's created um she uh she she finds a bug kind of like a beetle and you know she's like oh check this out and 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 she takes the beetle and and she holds it up against her face and she puts her hand up against her eye and she moves her hand and the bug is gone but it looks like the bug's legs are now um she's wearing makeup and the makeup is in the shape of of the beetle's legs around her eyes kind of weird but uh he's trying to figure out what the hell happened to the beetle and and she's like it, it's right here like that and she keeps pointing at her eye and um and then she finds this body of water kind of like this this boggy swamp looking thing and she's she's um she's posing in there he's taking more photos and she um she turns and walks away and leaves leaves the water um and before that some he's not too creepy kind of looks out like, like he belongs in uh william Mr. loves his journey but he's this old man's walking through he's like oh i didn't expect to see anybody here and regina just kind of gives him the harshest look like through the top of her head that um you know basically telling him to keep it moving and he's like all right yeah y'all be good now and he just like it's it's the strangest three panels he's like he's here she looks at him and he just kind of moses on it so he knows he's not wanted but when she leaves the water she ends up she when when ramsey catches up to her she has a possum tail tied into her hair and he's like well, where the hell where'd you get where'd you get that like where'd you find a dead possum she's like no, it was it was it it's dead. And he's like, Well, but yeah, but it doesn't stink like this this the tail, like nothing around here smells like death. She's like, Well, it hasn't been dead long. And and she turns around and he sees it that you know, she had bashed it against the rock so she could take its tail. She's just she she's gotten so I'm gonna say weird again. And and Ramsey's kinda weirded out a little bit. Um there she's she's not she's not sure really if he changed because, you know, he's acting kind of like a, a bit of a square and, and she's just super out there right now. And, um, and now of course he's got regrets. He's like, listen, you know, we shouldn't have done what we did. And, and, you know, I got, I, 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 I got my woman and, and, um, they have a, uh, 
they kind of start pushing and shoving and 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 she hits him he pushes her back she falls down he starts carrying her through the woods um and and then uh he it's almost like he's on this trip this this really crazy trip and and i don't know um i'm not sure if what's actually happening is actually happening or if this is all just something that she's kind of uh if she's if she's doing something that is causing him to make it make it seem as though things just aren't quite um quite what they are but she's in no rush to leave the forest he he wants to leave the forest and and um because he wants to get home and um yeah i'm I'm really curious to see where the third issue's going but this is the, the art's fantastic i i really really like what um what butch is doing ramsey's got a great look regina looks fantastic but um she's just weird man i don't know i you know it, it's not necessarily not like you have to root for anybody but you know obviously ramsey ramsey's like ramsey's just a guy you know he he uh there was an opportunity and he took it um and and you know he'll feel guilty about that for a while but um you know i'm not really sure yet what regina's deal is but um i'm i'm trusting ted where he's taking this it, it's uh it's it's only a four issue miniseries and i i the, the third issue is in this one's previews it's bi-monthly but uh yeah it's like i said it, it just it looks great but um I am not quite sure on this. I'm just taking it on the surface as it is right now, just going along for the ride. But I, I, I'm really interested to see where, uh, where this all ends up. But yeah, in your travels, if, um, if you haven't, I know there's a Kickstarter for, for the first three issues. I'm sure there'll be one for, for all four when it's done, but, uh, but yeah, get yourself, um, bloom by uh, hero tomorrow comics. Sounds like a trip, dude. I don't know. It really is a trip, dude. I don't know. I don't know. Um, speaking of trips, uh, in your travels, uh, I don't know how hard this book's going to be to find, given the publisher, but uh, well, we'll see. Um, if you can find it, I'm hoping it's widely available, uh, check out Paul Kirchner, Dope Rider, A Fistful of Delirium. Uh, it was published by Tanibus. Uh, editions which is a french publisher obviously a play on cannabis so i don't know if they, they're all into the weed stuff or if it's just like they started this llc for this book i'm not sure about all that you have to check that out but uh I, this was available in previews and um it looked uh, quirky so i grabbed it uh many of you probably know that paul kirchner is synonymous with weed culture he use this character the dope rider who is a, a a skeletal western hero that smokes tons of weed and makes weed jokes and does has crazy weed adventures uh for a long time in the 70s in high times the uh the bible of weed counterculture for a long time and uh apparently he returned to high times after nearly 30 years uh in 2015 and he's been doing one page vignettes uh for the magazine ever since this is a collection of that work. So his his modern work with uh, Dope Rider. It's a beautifully done book. It's it's um, twelve by uh, uh, like a twelve by ten hardcover with awesome spot varnish on half the cover. 
Um, and I was familiar with Dope Rider as a character, but I mean, I wasn't a reader of High Times, to be totally frank. And uh, so this is exactly what you would expect it to be in the sense that um, it's a bunch of one page uh, comics strips. If well, It's more of a comic strip that that uh, puts Dope Rider and other recurring characters like his pet armadillo and and uh, and the like into uh, oddball situations where the punchline is usually something weed related. Um, I thought it was clever. I think Kirchner's an incredibly talented illustrator. Uh, each page was extremely well detailed. Um, the, it, what I, from what I understand, the this book, which collects his modern stuff, is a little different than the old stuff in that he f- completely broadened his uh, horizons for parody when he came back. So he covers everything from the Muppets to modern TV shows to, to films to like star Wars. Like, so he runs the gamut of pop culture in this book, which I found very much uh, made it more accessible than what I think is probably older stuff was. And that makes sense, right? Because where weed was in the seventies, it was extremely counterculture. You know, it was naughty. People were embarrassed to acknowledge that they were into it, even if they were into it. And, and, and it was a felony to possess it much less to, you know, openly talk about it. So it was always something you kind of did on the, on the low, low um, nowadays, right. You've got half the country with weed legal and, and another big chunk with it decriminalized. And most of the world has decriminalized it. And so, so weed is just no longer taboo. It's, it's become, especially with the younger generation, a, a completely acceptable mainstream part of life, of life. Um, and, and without getting too political, probably a far better Avenue of, uh, of of personal exploration than 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 alcohol, which we all are very much uh, you know uh, our society is more prone to it to to uh, endorse. But um, yeah, I thought this was was fun, man. It, the one thing I'll say it's like like a lot of books that are comic strippy, um, you get the joke pretty quickly. So I found myself after about a third of the book leafing through it and reading every third or fourth page instead of, of of reading it page by page and that was totally fine like like it was totally satisfying to do that and I, I I chuckled plenty and um I thought for what it was it was it was it was terrific but but again understand like any humor like we've said earlier in the show very subjective and I will say if if you aren't a fan of jokes about weed or smoking weed or you have something against that or you just don't find that stuff funny well this is definitely not a book for you I mean this is a one note one note it's a very well executed note but it's one note and so uh you know make of that what you will but as a collection of the stuff and and as a a treatise on kirchner's artistry i think it's it's the best to date uh of the collections that are out there so um yeah definitely worth your time if you find the idea of weed humor appealing who doesn't I seem to recall you poo-pooing me ordering this when I said I ordered it. No, I never did. Uh, and in fact, I wanted to order it, and it didn't make my cut, unfortunately. Oh, okay, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I um, this. that shit should be mine. One of these days, yep. I'll pick it up. Well, if you ever come see me again, I'll, I'll hand it off to you. How about that? Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, recovering from a from an arduous Saturday. Nice. All right, everybody, that's it. Uh, but don't fret because you're going to get more of this in two days. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's Big right. Big doings. Big doings. 
And again, it's all because of our patrons, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. But if that's not enough for you, you can find us elsewhere on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and Facebook, all over the place there. We just love you so much. We can't do without you. So, and there's a rumor that Jason may come back to Twitter. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. We'll see. In the meantime, what? Say goodnight. <sighs> I really need to get a ukulele or something. Ukulele. Mm. Harmonica. Or a mandolin. We have a ukulele here. Nice. A lucky lot. Uh, David. Good night. Fuck up the co-host. Throw a water balloon. Screw him mm. up. Jizz him. Ah, jizz him. <laughs> no, no, you didn't, dude. <laughs> Waves of jism pelted the shore as jeez. You probably got it. (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Yes. Where's my jism hat? Uh, Come back next time. We'll be here because we love you. Say good night, boys. Good night, boys. Good to the ladies out there too. Yeah, you got there listening. We love the ladies. Not a lot of you, but that's okay. <laughs> we, we appreciate you, the ones that are. Well, traditionally, the hobby's not uh, a female centric. I mean, more so now than ever yeah. before. But uh, yes, ladies are refreshing. That's it for that one.